Welcome to The Story Tinker, a place for in-depth analysis of stories, including Midnight Poppyland, Purple Hyacinth, and more. Co-hosted by sharp, witty, and dare I say, thirsty fans, we dive deep into every episode, analyzing character, relationship development, and plot theories. You can follow The Story Tinker on all podcast platforms and videos of most episodes on YouTube. You can also follow The Story Tinker on Instagram and Facebook. If you'd like weekly bonus content, sneak peeks, and more, you can support The Story Tinker on Patreon. Thanks for listening to The Story Tinker, and let's get started. Okay, hi everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of the Purple Hyacinth podcast, Illicit Interrogation. And today we have Emma, Solis, and Flute, and this is Solis's first time on the podcast, so hi. Hi, I'm Solis. Uh, this is my first time on the podcast, so hello everybody. I'm an artist, and I enjoy, enjoy like various things like reading and knitting. So yeah, that's me. Thank you for coming on. And <clears throat> I didn't check out your Instagram. I'm assuming you have fan or on Instagram. Yeah, I do. Ooh, cool. I, I'm, I wonder if I actually follow it because I know there's sometimes I have a hard time connecting people's Instagram profiles with their Discord profiles. So mine is, anyway. mine is the same. So yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, I'll check it out. But we'll also link it so everyone can check it out. All right. So episode 15 opens up in <laughs> um in McTrevor's uh, pajamas bedroom. I always find that very funny. And they're looking all ominous. He's all helpless <laughs> in his pajamas. You know, they're catching him at, at a vulnerable moment. And as we discussed in the last episode, they are dressed to the T, looking gorgeous and speaking in unison. And McTrevor's face is panicked. His eyes are wide open. He starts yelling. But as soon as he does, um, I believe it's Kieran. Oh, but I don't know because they have a what he's in front. It, so presumably it's him. I think it is Karen. Yeah. Stifles him and he cannot yell for help. Oh well. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Gregory. <laughs> Gregor, whatever. And they immediately proceed to tie him to a chair. And they've also muffled him. Lauren's tying him. Kieran still has his hand over his mouth. Um, he starts to kick his slippered feet and try to kick Lauren who does not seem to notice, but Kieran steps on his foot <laughs> and rescues her. And he's like, now, now that's not very polite of you kicking a lady in the face, which is interesting because we'll see later that they try to disguise the fact that one, one of them is female, but here they have not decided to take that precaution yet. I also think it's funny that in the first episode, or not the first episode, the first few episodes when uh, Lauren's chasing Kieran, Kieran does kick her in the face. <laughs> so he kicks her total of like what two three times someone counted i think i don't remember exactly but probably around there yeah <laughs> i have to say the first few panels are what got me into purple hyacinth like i, I like me i like the comic when i was first reading it it's specifically the part with like their eyes like right on top of each other and the timing of the music and i was like mm-hmm. oh oh my god yeah, so I like I opened up it was it was Monday night. I opened up Purple High since I read the end of 14 and I was invested. I was in. I saw these panels because I believe they're also at the end of 15. And I was like, I knew at that moment that I had fallen for this comic. 
And then 15 and 16 are some of my favorite episodes in the entire series because they basically uh, were the final nail in the coffin. I just was enamored by this. <laughs> They're some of my favorite episodes to this day. I think they just perfectly capture everything that the authors were going for in the comic and in the first few um, episodes of season one. Like the buildup was, I will admit, a little bit slow with the first ten episodes. But like once you got to the once you got to this point, you either drop the comic or you're completely sold. There's a ton of wit and humor here that mm -hmm. is definitely emblematic of Purple Hyacinth. Yeah, and suspense. So uh, yeah. Kieran now decides to defend Lauren's honor instead of, as y'all pointed out, <laughs> kicking her. <laughs> and I thought you had better manners, Mr. McTrevor, which again, you know, this is typical Kieran flippancy and using any opportunity to make a joke, be caustic, make any situation into a humorous situation. And as Lauren points out, that's literally the first thing you did to me. She actually says that, which is like, and I don't know if she's assuming he'll hear her or not. So Kieran says, I'm going to remove my hat now. Don't scream. <laughs> and then, of course, he doesn't scream, but I'm sure he's saying this loudly. He's at um, McTrevor says, what the hell do you want from me? Money. Just name a price and we can resolve this peacefully, which is interesting because a lot of people think they can solve things with money. And they also, rich people probably assume that if they're getting um, held up, that it's because of money. You know, that's something that they're probably aware of and a little bit more in danger of. Um, when you have wealth, which I don't know if he's specified as wealthy. I don't know if he's just yeah. middle class. In a previous episode, uh, I mean, based said, on I his think, house, he just he looks fairly wealthy. Um, in a previous episode, it was said that uh, McTrevor had wormed himself out of several cases, oh, yeah, yeah. right, um, right, like by lawyering up, so like he can afford lawyers and he can buy his way out of things. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And Lauren tells him, we won't have anything to do with your dirty money, which again is interesting because right in the beginning of the scene, right, an, an outsider who doesn't know these people and these characters says, looks at the situation. They're like, okay, these strangers are robbing or mugging or threatening an innocent man. But now Lauren is establishing, no, we don't believe in your morals, whatever you're doing to get your money. We don't want it. We might be, mug, you know, that's like um, threatening you, but we're the moral ones here. You're not. <laughs> and it's funny how the next thing McTrevor says, then why am I tied to a chair? <laughs> right? So he's like, what else could you possibly want from me? <laughs> mm -hmm. Which so shows, like, by the way, that he thinks most people don't know of his, his relations to the Phantom Sight. Yeah, I was going to say that because I think it's very clear, like later on, that he thinks of himself as like very high and mighty. He thinks he's invincible. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he assumes nobody um, is after him for his involvement with the Phantom Side. Presumably, it's pretty well hidden. So, he although actually the truth is, Kieran says he was being he was uh, being messy. McTrevor is a fool, and he's just so overconfident, and that is why he is my favorite um, loon convict. <laughs> <laughs> okay you know that's a good question right we should rank what's who's your favorite loon <laughs> make trevor onslow blakesley and then colden colden didn't do anything 
Anso reminds me of like a sixth grader, and I find that funny. <laughs> like you know, one of those. Like, I have a hard time kids who dresses like a highlighter. A and then Blakesley has good. Blakesley looks nice in her dress and her hair, so that's why she's there. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I was so off topic. Yeah, I don't have a rating. Sorry. <laughs> Neither do I. It's okay. <laughs> But Trevor is just so stupid. I love it. Oh, it makes you feel good about yourself, right? When you see someone <laughs> <exactly> that way. <laughs> so Kieran continues, like you said, this doesn't need to get nasty. We only want your cooperation answering a few questions. And now Lauren makes this symbol and to, you know, come over here. And he's like, what do you mean? Who are you? He's struggling while they go to confer. And they're just leaving him alone while he's still screaming, hey, hey, listen to me. What do you want? Now, meanwhile, Lauren pulls him over, grabs Kieran by the by the overcoat and says, don't hurt him. And she's, you know, being all threatening and menacing. Kieran has a little cutesy face and he's like, or what? How do you plan on getting any, anything out of him? So Lauren threatens him, says, if you touch him, I'll do exactly the same things you do to him and I'll do it gladly. So I find it interesting, first of all, that they didn't discuss this beforehand. Seems a little bit like unprepared, but this is their first investigation. So, oh, well, they're human. <laughs> Both of them also, especially with Lauren, I feel like she tends to act first and think later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like she does think about what she's going to do, but not like the bigger thing. Like she thinks about the exact she's very, thing. She's happened, very detail oriented, but not. But she also ignores the bigger picture in the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, yeah, also- I was just gonna say sorry, that. Go ahead. Oh, sorry, I was just gonna say like yes, that's what I was thinking. They seem a little bit unprepared to do this, <laughs> even though they spent that night preparing. It's obvious, like when it comes down to like what they're gonna say and like how they're gonna say it, they did not plan it out well. But every- everything else seems to be pretty well planned because they're like you know come to the address at like this exact time not a minute more not a minute less you know that's what they told the police but you know between them there are some shortcomings okay sorry Mindy you go now yeah and what Lauren is telling him here also is establishing her again as being somebody who while she's willing to cooperate with an assassin and do some things that are underhanded she doesn't want to hurt people unnecessarily um and she doesn't want to resort to basically what the phantom scythe resorts to to get what they want you know which is violence so kieran rolls his eyes says you know the cops and their stupid rules honestly i think though that he probably likes the fact that lauren is like that and respects that because he's surrounded by evil malignant awful people who don't care about other people and who are willing to use violence to get their way and i'm pretty sure he is much happier that lauren is a moral person and would feel safe to be around her because if she was like everyone else he wouldn't trust her it's kind of funny because he has his own set of rules as well right he only kills when he needs to or when it's the only solution Mm -hmm. yeah so he goes back and he's like, Trevor, you've recently taken an interest in your illicit extracurriculars with those charming phantom scythe fellows. He's like, what? I would never. <laughs> I feel like when he says extracurriculars, it makes it sound like a school club almost. <laughs> yeah. 
Kieran also but, at some point referred to his hobbies. Oh, well, oh, that's in the later episode. Sorry. But the yeah, is, these, the thing is, these are technically extracurriculars, right? Because it's not for them, it's not for like the main well being of the Phantom Scythe. It's for Apostle Seven. He's wor he's working for Apostle Seven, not the leader himself. So it does kind of seem like an off branch of the Phantom Scythe. That's funny. So of course he's lying. And Lauren starts listing off money laundering, conspiracy to murder, treason, organizing prostitution rings, illegal weapons trafficking, tax evasion. Oh my gosh, that's a long list of bad things. Oh boy. And he's denies everything. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Once again, lying. And then Kieran says, oh, come on, at least try something a little less cliche. And then Rick Riker shows his arrogance. Oh, so annoying. I'm a powerful man. The police can't touch me. What makes you think you can? Smiling while still sweating a little bit. And leave while you still have the chance. Um, I feel like at this point, he knows that they know what he's done and mm -hmm. switched from just trying acting to get it out stupid and lying to like just trying to defend himself and basically try to like threaten his way out. Oh, you were saying something? Who was? Oh, you started saying something earlier. Uh, it's like they clearly like know what he did. They're just trying to get him to say it. Because clearly they've done all this research. So they, they know everything. Mm -hmm. And Lauren in the in Lauren being in the police, she has um, he has been keeping caps on him, like probably not, you know, purposefully because she was planning this. Of course, this was all just the whole loon thing was very sudden, but she knew a lot of what he did and a lot of the illegal stuff he did because it was her job to prosecute him. And I think but at the same time, she only knows this about the stuff he got caught for, not about everything. And then Kieran probably came in and listed everything that she didn't previously know because he had also been previously looking into her um, looking into him that's why he uh, suggested McTrevor as their first lead because he knew McTrevor was messy and sloppy and did not clean up his tracks well yep and Lauren tells him we never stopped watching you even if you wormed your way out of sentencing in the past, <clears throat> you're this time, your money and your lawyers can't save you. So again, referencing before. So Kieran says, correct, while he's looking at the papers on his desk. So let's get the death threats. They're always boring. Again, you know, very typical Kieran flamboyance. I've already had enough of them from that one over here. <laughs> referring to Lauren, he's mocking Lauren for constantly threatening him. <laughs> Just even, you know, even during an investigation when he's trying to be taken seriously, he can't resist joking around. And honestly, I love this because, I mean, if we look at it from a shipping standpoint for just a minute, I'd say this episode is really overlooked when it comes to shipping material. But if you want to look at Loki in sort of their prime, and like when I think they were both best and they worked together best, I would say it was it would be these loon episodes, because these loon episodes, the banter is just amazing. We learn, we get so much information, and we just see them 
interact in a way that we don't get to see them interact mm-hmm. anymore and the way they interact That's- is just so 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 entertaining like I could read these chapters all day they're just I really miss I love them this aspect of it because like I was gonna say something but I realized it's one of the spoilers of future episodes but yeah like the visual humor in this episode is great with their expressions in um, in the panel after the I've already had enough from that one or from them over there like Lauren's p- face in the background is hilarious there's some panels above with McTrevor where his face is just hilarious so these episodes really are some of the best episodes in Purple Highs since they're just a mix of like everything that we love about this comic I agree yeah there's so many like, there's a decent amount of comedy and funny parts in these episodes. But I feel like they still manage to keep it serious. And while they keep bringing up comedy, you can tell they're still, like, the serious of, like, they're interrogating someone, they're getting information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you still take Loon seriously. And you can you still see Karen as a threat after this. Like, well, yes, you're... You kind of forget that he's the purple hyacinth for a bit during these episodes mm-hmm. because of how sarcastic he is and very like Flynn Rider esque. <laughs> you still know yes. that he's the purple hyacinth, and there are some moments I think later in this chapter or later in episode sixteen where you're like, "Yeah, this is the purple hyacinth. This is what the purple hyacinth is doing." And I don't know the idea of an of a team of between an assassin and a police officer and how their like morals conflict as they try to do the same goal that premise i'm literally thriving for it yeah i mean there's a lot to discuss there which we've discussed many times like the whole mm-hmm. moral ambiguity <laughs> of this whole story so definitely um pretty profound topic and something that is evolving a lot you know, we went from a change um, from our perceptions in the beginning of the comic to something in the middle, and now we're undergoing more changes in like the later episodes, which we can't talk about now, but we're constantly being kept on our feet and reevaluating, which is fantastic. So, anywho, um, oh, Kieran continues while Lauren, you know, makes an angry expression in the background. I want you to tell me more about your current operation, illegal trafficking, right? You're smuggling weapons into our tallest, surely for some more sinister purpose. And he smiles and says, and if I tell you I don't know anything, what will you do? <laughs> so here's kind of like the moment of truth, right? Because Lauren's watching Kieran because she just told him, let's not use violence. So what is he going to do, right? I don't know if, if he, if McGregor, McTrevor overheard this and that's why he's intimidating him and, and taunting him. But let's see. So Kieran says, let's play a game, shall we? Every time you lie, I poke you with this perfectly sharp knife. And he approaches him. He comes over. His face is just completely menacing and, you know, half in the shadows, just like the perfect appearance of a scary person. And, you know, the knife blade is glinting there. It's just a gorgeous image. And he says, whoever laughs first wins. Hmm. So he's not exactly threatening him with complete violence. Like he's not saying, I'll cut off your fingers, 
but it's a hint of violence. You can kind of see a different side of Kieran here and how he can sort of, you can see how easily he can switch because he was so calm before and just kind of cool about it. But then you can see kind of how easy it is for him to put on a front. Mm -hmm. It's like... At one point, they're just having fun banter, and at one point, like this dude is about to poke someone's eye out. Like, I feel like, oh my god! At the same time, it's a lot of him joking around. Like, he doesn't seem to be terribly serious so far. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's treating it as a bit of a game here, but I'm sure that it's still kind of obvious that he still takes this incredibly seriously. Mm. Also, this has to be one of my favorite Kieran panels. I just love the way it's drawn, like the line art. I think it's less that it's not that he's not taking it seriously; it's that he doesn't want to show it. Mm -hmm. Like, if he like stabs the trucker to death, then clearly they're not going to get any information out of him. Yeah, there's still stakes in this moment, and Kieran would have something to lose if he hurt mctrevor super badly so he's not we know he's not going to actually kill mctrevor and he doesn't want to incapacitate mctrevor to the point where mctrevor can't provide any information because he's in too much pain or unconscious so lauren meanwhile is looking around his office and she looks back and you know with this angry vein popping out and says if he dares but mcgregor responds and he says do you think you can scare me with a knife he's sweating but also laughing at them at the same time and says do you know how many interrogations i've been through if torture really worked i wouldn't be here today so it's interesting i'm assuming the police didn't interrogate him <laughs> so you think he was interrogated by i think maybe just general shady people because honestly like even if not the phantom scythe um with all the stuff that she accused him of like prostitution rings like they're it's always associated with shady people and i'm pretty sure they, that even if it wasn't the end of his life, people that interrogated him, probably those underworld people that did. Yeah. Huh. Well, and Kieran, you know, still points that knife right at his throat, you know, forces McGregor to go back and says, we know already about your involvement in this operation. There's no use denying it. Cooperate and perhaps we'll let you and the people you care about live a while longer. So now... And that is, that's something that we'll discover is honestly used a lot in, in both this story and also in, in real life, right? Because you can threaten people, people can give up their own life, but to threaten people with the people they love, it's a much stronger pull. So Gregor says, you have nothing on me. I live alone. I'm not married. I have no children. You can't blackmail me. There's nothing I care about but myself. But the part about him having no children and not caring about anyone else but himself is a lie. And that is where Lauren comes in but as we'll see they did not properly communicate so kieran totally misses that and just says what about your eyes it would be a shame if they accidentally poke one out of his pocket and you know directing the blade at his eye but lauren is trying to get his attention she's like oi <laughs> with kieran because he's arrogant and because they didn't discuss these things in advance he says let me do my job i really enjoy this part but that part is a lie 
And I'm going to add this to my list. I have a list of lies that Kieran says that exonerate him and that show us that he's not a horrible monster like he tries to put himself out to be. And they are, I have no regrets. Um, another one that's in the future that I can't say. And this one, I really enjoy this part. So these lines where he lies just show us that he actually does have a heart and mm. is not a callous monster. The, I really it shows his dislike for violence. Like clearly he grew up around it and that may have influenced a lot of it. Uh, I really enjoy this part. It kind of makes me think that he has done interrogations before and not only been the subject of an interrogation, but also the person interrogating. And so he yeah, has been point. forced to hurt someone uh, that he was interrogating like, before. Really, like the police don't know his identity. So clearly he's never had an interrogation with them. So who yeah, else would have been with? And it's unlikely that the APD would be exerting physical violence on the people they're interrogating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, unfortunately, Kieran's arrogance and their lack of communication leads him down the wrong path. <laughs> or not exactly down the wrong path, but it doesn't um, doesn't alert him to <laughs> the, the lie in his words. And he continues and says, what a lonely, pathetic little scumbag you are. That's sad. Um, it's also kind of- uh, been telling the truth there too. Yeah, but it's a little judgmental to judge somebody for being alone. I'm just saying, like, not everyone chooses to have a family. Anyway. <laughs> Ironically, Kieran is just as alone as he is. Yeah, I guess that's showing how, how much he does not like that lifestyle and how much he wishes he could, you know, have it. And like, if you're a normal person, you know, you should have it. <laughs> but I don't think McGregor is a normal person either, but okay. So uh, he says, you've been working under the seventh apostle's orders, right? He's like, no, who's that? A lie again. And now he pokes him and draws blood at which, you know, McGregor like moans. And Kieran's like, whoops, my hand slipped. A lie. And says, what are you in charge of? He says, I don't know. Also a lie. Kieran says, ah, looks like someone wants the knife again. Er, more threatening. And Lauren is just getting angry in the background while still investigating. She then pulls out a book from the bookshelf and throws it at Kieran, but Kieran dodges. So um, it lands on McGregor instead, right? Did I accurately see this? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. I love that sequence of Kieran like um, with the knife because like, I know he says that I really enjoy this part, but just seeing him like in that part being alive, but like seeing him so gleeful here in the way like he just, talks to McTrevor and the way his face looks and especially like whoops my hand slipped I just I love that scene even though like he doesn't actually feel this way it's just really amusing it's like a lot of slapstick comedy here um Mm -hmm. I don't know if y'all watch the three stooges but I watched a lot when I was a kid and as stupid as it is I like have such enjoyment over watching people like trip and fall and in this case getting a book flat on their head (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I love how Lauren's just like, whoops. And I love how she was trying to hit Kieran in this moment. You are she's hilarious. just so done I mean, with him. Yeah. And she's like, doo, 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 you know, looking away. I had nothing to do with that book. I don't know why you're looking at me. 
Kieran laughs. He thinks it's hilarious. But McTrevor takes this seriously and he says, okay, stop. You seem like you did your research, so you must know that I'm a merchant and an accountant. And now he lies and says, I only manage transactions for him. Legal ones, of course. Mm -hmm. And Kieran's like, of course, with whose help? He clearly doesn't believe the legal part. He says, I've been a merchant in this city for the past 30 years. I don't look old enough to be. I've worked for 30 years, but okay. I don't need anybody else's help, which is a lie. Clearly, he is working with other people. And Kieran continues, how have you been receiving the Apostle's orders? And Lauren's heading over to the desk to look at stuff. And she's rifling through papers, opening up his drawers. And McTrevor says, through letters, every time, each one was to be burned immediately after reading. Which sounds believable, but is not true. If I was there and I didn't have Lauren's ability, I would have totally believed that it sounds like something they would do. Burnt every time, yeah. So now Lauren discovers in his desk a picture of a little boy. Uh -oh. And she thinks, I see. And Kieran says, and the weapons, what are they for? He says, and McDermott responds, if you know the faint of sight, you must know that no one tells anyone anything. Nobody holds all the pieces of the puzzle except the apostles and the leader himself. So it's he's saying the truth here. He doesn't seem to be knowing what's going on. Um, he doesn't directly say that, but he implies that, that the part that he says is truthful. He says, I do the accounting, which is true. I have no idea what the hell those guns are for. Okay, not true. He actually does know. <laughs> he says, the Phantom Scythe keeps promising changes, but we haven't done anything major in years. Um, I bet those weapons are probably headed right back out of the country. So that's not true, but the first part is true. So we can understand why he's working for the seventh apostle because he wants to get things done faster, mm -hmm. which is the seventh apostle's goal. Mm -hmm. And he, what he says next is pretty telling. He says, as part of some stupid fundraising campaign to finance an apostle's new mansion, so much for equality, right? So he's, that part is not true, but either he's trying to, put down the Phantom Scythe or he's he's tapping into a real sentiment about the Phantom Scythe which we do see that they've turned into something that doesn't care about its ideals anymore which is so mm -hmm. typical I mean you'll see like organizations all over the world that are supposedly advocating the poor it's, for the poor similar. or like leaders of totalitarian countries you know they live in these giant mansions they take over through violent revolution they live in giant mansions and the rest of the population is starving so and they rule it's very much like a almost reminds me of like the French Revolution. Like the Phantom Scythe wants to overthrow the monarchy, but there's already a, this hierarchy within the Phantom Scythe that, okay, you overthrow the monarchy, now what? You still have this hierarchy that you said you didn't like and wanted to get rid of. So it just turns on itself. Yep. Mm -hmm. It turns out... Okay. Yeah. yeah turns out human beings suck no matter what organization they put themselves in and they just tend to like go back to the worst common denominator <laughs> so Kieran smiles says right and Lauren is still rifling through papers she sighs and puts some of the papers in her in her jacket and picks up some more papers and pulls up a chair and says, all right, recess is over now, children. Let me do my job. And at this, Kieran has this, um, this expression. Uh, I don't know how to describe it exactly. How would you describe his expression? 
he looks like a mix between surprised and annoyed to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he's very used to being Carol. working alone. <laughs> so he's also, he, he's also some tiredness thrown in there too. For sure. Already to, to threatening him with a knife and books being thrown at his head. He's just like, oh great, more. What are you gonna do now? Yeah, and I think he's used to working alone. So for him to share in the time is probably novel for him as well as it is for Lauren. But the two of them have this dynamic where they're like kind of bickering and arguing all the time and like fighting over like, oh, I should be in charge, you should be in charge, you know, I should be in charge, that kind of thing. So it's more of that. So <laughs> McGregor laughs and he's like, I'm a striper, sorry, mix them up all the time. Oh, great, what's next? More books thrown at my head, just rolling his eyes. I already told you everything I know, not true. And she says, I'm sure you've gone through a lot of interrogations with Trevor. And then she you know, slams the chair down right in front of his feet. So that's her method of intimidation. It's not quite a knife point, but it's still intimidating. And he said, but you've never had one with me. And she poses best. like this, just this super amazing pose. One of the best moments yeah. in the series. For sure. <laughs> this is my favorite Lauren panel so far. Yeah, just just the outfit is just like, case. I love the whole outfit. And just... Framing. I, I love this panel so much. I love how like it was the like a background. widget on my phone for a really long time. The background of the the background of the comic it fades to black, telling us like shit's getting serious. And then I can just imagine her voice in my head, like I'm sure you've gone through a lot of in- interrogations, like Trevor, but you've never had one with me. I can't do Lauren's voice, but like you get the idea. It's just. Never had one with me by the end, and then like now shall we begin? And it's like the last thing you see before, like the before, like you know the credits. Like, damn, (laughs) she has a lot of confidence here, and people confidence is very attractive. And I think a lot of people um, when they have that like oomph moment, it's because they're this the person is displaying a lot of internal power and control and self-possession so mm-hmm. she definitely has that what is the note for this the note yeah, also, is, sorry go ahead like well my two favorite episodes are 15 and 16 and it's clear from like the ending of this one that you're going to go into the interrogation um i just something about lauren's demeanor I don't know what the word for it is. It's almost mesmerizing to watch in a way. Mm-hmm. Without getting into too much detail. Yeah. Um, Loon in this episode and in the next episode, they're just mesmerizing to watch. Like you just can't pull away from it. They're just. It's, it's definitely the concrete. And I can see that they actually do work really well together, despite both of them being really stubborn. And it seems like they wouldn't work that well. They still find a way to work really well together. They're two birds of a feather, for sure. Which I think, you know, is working well together, but also kind of lets them rub against each other like flint, like that causes sparks of the same thing. And then you rub them together and then 
as a fire <laughs> bet them. <laughs> Two very hard-headed people. Yeah. So what other final thoughts do you have on this episode? So like also um, the creators know it says they won the merchant but ended up with Wolverine. I this think I never watched Wolverine, so I think I'm not getting the reference. Uh, I think it's because like Trevor looks like Wolverine. Mm, okay. But yeah, this is definitely one of my favorite episodes in the entire series. Agreed, I agreed. I'm in love with everything about it. Because you were looking for people, and then I was like, oh, there's an opening. Maybe I should join. It makes me kind of sad, though, because I hope this is too spoilery, but it's probably expected. We don't really have this sort of um, interaction between the two anymore. Like, they don't interact like this anymore. We don't see them on moon missions like this. The moon missions eventually. I was going to mention that earlier. That's the thing I was saying, like, was too spoilery is that. I really, really do miss the dynamic here and just the way that they're just like both so stubborn, but also work so well. Yeah, I, I'm just so nostalgic for these <laughs> chapters know. and their banter <laughs> and their relationship here. So it's just, it's nice returning to episodes like this, but it's also sad because I know that they can never go back to what it was like here. And I, I read PH when this was still coming out. So like I had to wait a week in between each chapter. And so it's like, you know, it's going back in what, a year and a half. And it just different times then, especially it was before the global panini. So it just, it's, I don't know. It's kind of out of body, I guess. Because I remember reading it for the first time and I just, I, even though I'm rereading, I still feel the amazement that I had uh, when I read it for the first time. Uh, that's very nice. So it has like, not just um, the, the content of the actual comic, but also like the emotional overtones of your first experience. Yeah. Awesome. Anyone else have any final thoughts on the episode? Not really, just that it is for sure one of my favorites. <laughs> Such an underrated episode. And also, the music in this one, I love it so much. Oh, so somebody actually asked if, if we could talk about the music, and we always turn the music off because, you know, we can't, like, listen to it and talk at the same time. But, um, but yes, the music always adds a ton. So It's so perfect. It's and it really makes it a lot more, like, movie-like. You could probably link it. I think it's on her YouTube. Yeah, the track in this episode is a lot more different from what we usually get. Um, I'm just going off memory, and I don't. I'm not a musician, so I can't really like pick apart like all the little like music notes and yeah, stuff and instruments. But in a lot of one. PH tracks, normally we get piano, um, and mm-hmm. maybe violin. I'm not sure, but like I know piano is the main instrument because I believe self plays piano. Yeah, but in does. this episode, there's a lot more instruments. Like there's um, I don't remember what it's called, but like you shake it to make sound. <laughs> Um, there's that in this and there's like just a mix of sounds and the vibe of the song and the way that it is composed is just a lot more unique and something we don't really hear more often 
and it's just it stands out when you listen to all the ph mm-hmm. tracks um this is going to be the one that you remember the most yeah it's also yeah, my is... personal favorite i listen to it a lot more than the others i know like a lot of people's favorite is the lullaby and arrival but yeah. i don't know just something about Flora sangre i just i don't even know that's how you pronounce it i'm sorry my french is terrible well, we should also credit the, the music, musician then. Mm-hmm. It's Isabella Levan and produced by A Million and Vermilion. Mm-hmm. So, oh my god, I've seen like some in some of the like episodes, like in other webtoons that they do, their music is just amazing and they don't mm-hmm. get credited enough. Yeah, I always notice. So, it's it's impressive. It's it's also nice to see that the webtoons community like collaborates and um, you know uses like the same musicians. So mm-hmm. it's, it's I think Soph nice to see that community. Mm-hmm. I think Soph has also helped out in some other webtoons. Yeah, I think also I know a lot of people say like oh they want this printed or a TV show or whatever, but I think it's so fitted for this platform with the music that you can't really get in a printed book. But mm-hmm. there's also that red text you can't get in a movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Webtoon has been giving PH a lot more attention lately. And it makes me kind of scared because I know Webtoon has started doing like, has, well, they've started planning shows for some of their comics, like Lore Olympus. And a while back on my Instagram story, I just went on this, I just wrote out this entire like essay on why I didn't want PH as a comic or sorry, mm-hmm. not as a comic, we have it as a comic, as a, well, I didn't want it as a TV show, and I just, I don't think the charm of PH and everything that makes it special, mm-hmm. like music, the art style, um, you know, the pacing, because that's, that's all going to be changed um, yeah. to make it easier to animate and stuff, I just, I don't think it's replicable, yeah, and so it's very true. By making it a TV show, we would probably lose a lot of things that make Purple Hyacinth special to us. And as amazing as it would be to see um, one of the best comics ever as a TV show, I just, I don't think the quality of the TV show will ever match that of the comic. And you were also mentioning how they were giving it a lot more attention lately. I also have mixed feelings about that because like obviously I want it to have more attention but I don't want it to be the wrong kind of attention. Mm-hmm. They have a tendency to hyper focus on the romance even though that's not the focus of the story at its core it's mystery. Really? Yeah I've seen I that. It was. I'm kidding. <laughs> I've seen it brought up a lot where Webtoon tends to focus more on the romance part of Purple Hyacinth, especially in the banners and the promotion that they did on they on when season two was coming out. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, it was the hand is the handcuffed one, and they cropped Will and came out in the background. Very messily this done. Season, this say. season two promotion was horrendous. The notification that we got for like season two, it was like, um. Karen and Lauren are going to we be working screaming a lot how closer cringy. than ever, or something like that. That's and funny. that was just com- sorry, was I so cut you off. Yeah, from what literally the premiere of season two was. Like, yeah, they're going to be working together, but she's also going to be smashing his rib cage open. <laughs> so that was. I still cringe thinking about 
what Webtoon did to the season two promotion. Especially, I don't know, I think it was the smirking emoji that they had. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I have a screenshot somewhere Mm -hmm. on my phone. I'm sure you guys were happy to see the the latest Vogue covers being shared by Webtoon. Yes, very very happy. That made me very happy. A whole post dedicated to Purple Hyacinth. And Mm -hmm. that was not like a funny post. It was actually just showing that art, which that art's amazing, by the way. You could have put Bella on the cover, though, because um, (laughs) because like the Lauren one, I will admit, it's a bit sketchier. Like, not like it's like shady or anything, but like it is literally like a sketch. A colored sketch. So I think she took, but I think drawings that she had already made and turned them into Vogue covers. Yeah, I don't think that she has a lot of time to make entire separate drawings, unless it's for something like a banner. Mm-hmm. The the Kieran, there's a Kieran one, and it's very it's obviously from episode I believe seventy two. Um, so yeah, she just reused that panel there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's her trolling us. <laughs> That's what the, those were. <laughs> the Vogue covers are genius, though. Like they are incredible. They're gorgeous. Funny. And yeah, they're gorgeous. Yeah, but also both the kind. Of... Hmm. Yeah. Well, on that um, adoring note. I think we can end the podcast. There'll be uh, one of the shorter ones, so I'll be easier for people to listen to. But thank you so, so much for coming on. And I'm glad to list that you joined us and I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, I love this episode. It was so fun talking to you guys about it. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Please do return. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Thanks. I'll catch you all later. Have a good night. Bye. 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 Thank you so much to my current patrons, Susie, Lady Libris, Allie Cat, Lily, Jenny, Haley, One and Only Taco, Elizabeth, Maria, Molly, Veronica, Emily, Emily, Joe Rochelle, Dahlia, Saucy Tuggles, Meg, Anne Rose, Priya, and Alexa. Your support is much appreciated. Music.